a wall is removed during a renovation, revealing what could be another world. Is a priest in Ecuador in possession of metal plates that could hold the answer to if aliens visited us? A flying ace is breaking a world record reaching the North Pole, but did he maybe go even further than that? Hi, hello and welcome to Digging Up Ancient Aliens. This is the podcast where we break down the famous TV show Ancient Aliens. Do their claims hold water to an archaeologist or other better explanations out there? I'm your host Frederick and this is episode 12 and we will break down episode 4 of season 2 called Underground Aliens. This episode is was aired on November 18th, 2010 and I have to be a bit honest with you guys that this one is maybe one of the more far out episodes that we have watched so far. And to help us, we have a very special guest with us today. But before we dig down into this, remember that sources, resources and further reading suggestions are attached to the show notes. And of course, you find them on our website, diggingupancientaliens.com. There you will also find contact info to me. And if you notice any mistakes or have any suggestions, please reach out. And if you like the podcast, I would really appreciate if you left one of those fancy five-star reviews that I heard so much about. Well, enough of me jammering. Let's venture down on the ground for the hunt, in the hunt for aliens. Hello and welcome to Bill Farley. Hi, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. And for any listener that might not be familiar with who you are, could you maybe present yourself a little bit? I suspect most listeners wouldn't be familiar with who I am. Uh, hi, my name is Bill Farley. I'm a, I'm a professor of anthropology at Southern Connecticut State University, small little university in, in, uh, in Connecticut in the United States. Uh, and I'm, a, I'm an archaeologist. Uh, I got my PhD in 2017. And uh, my specialty in my sort of day job is I work on colonial American sites, uh, settler colonial sites mm. and Native American sites in New England, um, usually from the 17th and 18th century. Uh, but then I also have this little side gig where um, uh, for, for fun and, and, and for, for research too, uh, where I run a YouTube channel called Video Game Archaeology. Uh, and um, I explore digital archaeology and archaeology as represented in different kinds of media, particularly in games, um, which is just something I've always been interested in. So uh, that's, that's, that's where I sort of live on the internet most of the time and where maybe you've seen me in the past. But Cool. Have you encountered any aliens in your video game <laughs> archaeology so far? No, uh, uh, not so much, although it certainly does come up. I mean, a great example of that is in the Assassin's Creed games, at least the early ones. I haven't played any of the really recent ones. Yeah. But at least the early ones. Those games are 
you know, you go to these historic settings, but they're sort of based on top of, if you've ever played them, crazy conspiracy theories and uh, ancient societies and underground uh, groups that that control power and have weird technologies. And uh, a lot of that stuff is really adjacent to the sort of stuff that comes up on shows like Ancient Aliens. So there, uh, there is some of this stuff in games. For sure, that media is is not a uh, not immune to to uh, to having this sort of conspiracy theory stuff thrown around. And have you ever watched an episode of Ancient Aliens previously? Not until three hours ago, <laughs> when I sat down and I finally got a chance to do my homework and watch the episode. I've known about the show for years. I've talked about it with people. I've been a little bit of an ancient aliens poser, I'd say, because I've certainly talked about it and seen <laughs> clips and criticized it and laughed about it. And of course, laughed about everybody's best friend, Sukulis there, or however you pronounce his name, uh, with the hair. And, uh, and, and, but I had never actually sat down and watched an episode. And that is not true anymore. Now I have. I've watched an episode and I took three pages of single space notes on it as I'm furiously typing as I watched it. So, boy, it's interesting. It's an interesting experience. <laughs> How are you feeling? Have you, you know, recovered a little bit or are you just in shock and awe still? I don't know. I think I said in our in our in our text chain back and forth, like I, I experienced some psychic damage to use a D term uh, while watching it. And it's it's Oh, there's just so they, it comes at you so fast. The stuff, right? And we're gonna obviously break it down here, but uh, the, all the claims and they come so fast and they're they're all over the place. And I know this is an early episode, I think, from the show, so maybe they've got a little higher production values now. But man, it's really structured, strange, probably on purpose, right, to keep you keep you unbalanced, right? I guess, right? So. Yeah, and and me and Blake had this uh, idea that it's to get the drunk and high people still um, <laughs> invested that, in the show. That's when it's a good quick point. cut, new things. How much of this show is the yeah? How much are they aiming for? You're supposed to just watch the show well, like really high. Yeah, I think that's <laughs> really interesting theory <laughs> that they've written in such a way that it's entertaining when you are uh, less than a hundred percent attentive. Yeah, and you keep the attention so you watch the screen all the yeah. time because otherwise you will be <laughs> you will be lost. <laughs> and but have you encountered these claims previously? Not these have somebody oh, Yeah, we go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say not not these ones specifically. So this this episode, I mean I, they throw so much, they find so much stuff in here. Some of those I guess I had probably heard a little bit about. But in terms of mm. my research, which is focused on um, you know, the archaeology of, of North America, primarily these ideas that they're, that, that indigenous people in any part of the world, but certainly in the Americas couldn't possibly have done these things. They had to have had help. They had yeah. to have, and whether that help was aliens or secret Europeans or whoever, right? There's, there, <laughs> there's, there's some kind of group that must've helped them do these things. And what archaeology shows us again and again and again with, very strong evidence is that's not true. Indigenous people just did this stuff on their own. Indigenous people all over the world were incredible. Ancient people were incredible. They did these amazing things uh, and we should give them credit for them. Uh, so I would say even though these specific claims, these specific examples that they were using are not ones I've really engaged with in the past, they all sounded very familiar to ex similar kinds of things you hear about 
any other part of the world. So um, that's not yeah. surprising, yeah. But have you, I think you're teaching, right? Have you had any students in your class oh. bring this up or? Yeah, I mean, for sure. So definitely I've had students in archaeology classes um, who, you know, their first engagement with the science of archaeology was through shows like Ancient Aliens or, uh, you know, uh, uh, these kinds of books that the, that the, the authors are often uh, discussed in these uh the ancient astronaut folks you know that that was some of the first because that stuff's so ubiquitous it's everywhere right so they they come in and they go oh you know i heard about this this theory and they from my experience universally every student i've ever had who had witnessed this stuff before and maybe even sort of bought into that stuff was also they tended to be people who are really interested in science and really interested in how do yeah. we actually interrogate these things for real uh, and they were very open to hearing criticism of those ideas and new ideas. And 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 once they had a little bit of knowledge about how archaeology really works, it was very easy for them to start to see the holes in some of these arguments, for, for lack of a better term. Um, so it's not often, I wouldn't say a lot, but I've definitely had a few students over the years who that this was hmm. their first engagement with the science of archaeology was these shows was shows like ancient aliens and other things like that and um and that was they brought that perspective with them and i've always found that they were they were generally really open-minded people who were interested in just hearing they just wanted to hear the evidence and make the decisions for themselves so. yeah sweet but how about we kick this off so you can start uh, <laughs> mentally repairing yourself <laughs> afterwards <laughs> So something I reacted to is that they had this really long lead-in that they they usually have these you know things to catch your attention before the intro, and this was unusual long to be honest. But then the bombastic intro music cut in, and we start this episode on uh, Derinkuyu in Turkey. Is you familiar with this site? I previously this is a site I had heard about just as a kind of oh it's an important archaeological site. You, you, you know, yeah. it's in the textbook, right? That kind of thing. Um, but I was not super familiar with it. So it was very interesting, but I could really quickly recognize, I think they are, they are, um, representing this site in a strange way, in a way, you know, the, 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 the... yeah, they, they represent it. I'm shocked that they bring up that this volcanic rock to start with, because most people know the volcanic rock is quite easy to work with it's very fragile and you can shape it quite easily just breaking things off um so that was for me a bit weird because i usually want to portray it as oh it's so hard to dig through this it's a uh, granite is uh, you know the strong rocks they need the power tools so that they just admitted that it's volcanic rock uh, it's strange but something that they leave out is that they're well, up to 40 other locations like this in the area, not 13 stories deep, but <laughs> that there are other sites in the same area, you know, uh, basically doing the same thing, such as Kaimakli, I think. I'm sorry to any Turkish <laughs> listener. <laughs> and uh, Eskunak, uh, both underground region. And um, they have this engineer that I felt was maybe a bit uneducated. Uh, Jan Brandenburg, he is new for the show, but he's complained that this is a massive undertaking, even in modern time, which I felt was a bit weird. Yeah. 
and of course take the reference to the pyramids. Yeah, I, I had a note about that, the Brandenburg, the engineer too. I think this is a technique they use a lot on this show, you know, from clips I've seen and, uh, and, 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 and other types of media like this. They bring in a person who's an expert in something, in this case, an engineer, and then they ask them to speak about something that is definitely not within their expertise. So they have this guy who comes in, he's an engineer, and maybe he's got some interesting things to say about how difficult it would be to to uh, build a place like this, which I'm, which I'm sure is true, and all the, the engineering prowess that must have gone into the production of this site. Um, again, by ancient peoples who were incredible and could just, they did stuff like this all over the world. Um, and, and then they say, okay, well, tell us, you know, how this compares to other ancient places. And, uh, and he starts talking about the pyramids and how, oh, it's actually more incredible than the pyramids. What does this guy know about the pyramids? What does this guy know about ancient cultures? He doesn't know anything. He's not an archeologist, not an anthropologist, not a historian. He's not an art historian. He's an engineer. And so I think they use that technique a lot because it lends credibility because he has credibility in something, but that doesn't mean I wouldn't go on a show and start talking about engineering. I don't know the first thing about engineering. (laughs) So, uh, it's, it's, uh, that's, that was, I, I thought that was really interesting too. And then on your point about the soft rock, yeah, they use, I think they, they, that makes sense. All they need to show that, oh, the aliens came up and they use, but they want to portray in this case that these were built by people to i know we're going to get to this mm. the claim about why they built these things is <laughs> wild is <laughs> is really a, an interesting one uh and so they needed this one to be all oh, this one could be created by ancient peoples because they actually were creating it as a like a reaction to with some knowledge from from mm. aliens maybe so in this case the soft rock you know served their purposes so they they, they let that one fly <laughs> <laughs> it did serve them a purpose and something i felt that they left out a lot was other sites that was similar for example hypogeum of hal safanini on malta for example i think that was created around 3000 bce something like that and something but as you said they are building up something they also forget to mention is that the whole area from different time periods so Everything before was it 600 BCE until the Byzantine era, basically. And we have Childress. He is a fixture in ancient alien circles, David Childress. And uh, he thinks it's weird that they want to live in caverns because it's scary. He usually have arguments like that. It's scary or this is difficult, you know, uh, Kind, kind of simple ones. Which is but, strange because people, um, people have lived in cave sites for tens of thousands of years. Like that's not an unusual human Yeah, and we still do. <laughs> yeah. um, for, for example, I was uh, traveling around uh, Europe uh, last year and I got to Andalusia and in Hall of Andalusia in Spain, um, there's people still live in caves today. So I stayed in a place called Galera and they build their homes in the mountainside. So, you know, they make their little cave and they plaster it and they live in there because it's cool. It's, you know, don't need any AC or Mm. anything. You have very nice degrees and it's 40 degrees Celsius, Mm. um, you know, on a low day down there. So, <laughs> so that, that's, that's <laughs> it important, has a, yeah, to stay cool there, right? I think 
I don't know. Some of the oldest sites in the in this archaeological sites in the world are in caves, and you know, like you said, there's they kind of ignore they 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 pretend like every one of these sites they talk about is unique and special and perfectly the only one in the world, and that's almost never the case. They don't. I, I they, they they often are. Archaeology is really complex. Culture is incredibly complex. So every one of these sites is actually a part of probably a really complicated, complex cultural network of similar sites and sites that are related in one way or another. And the way that archaeologists determine those relationships between those sites is it's actually a lot of work and it's very, it's, it's, uh, it involves connections between material culture. I know we're going to talk about dating in, in a second mm. and, uh, uh, of the site and how, how they came up with this. They just tell us the site. Oh, actually, we think the site is thousands of years or a thousand years older than than the archaeologists say. The mainstream archaeologists. The word mainstream does a lot of work on this show. Uh, you know, the mainstream archaeologists uh, tell us the site's this old, but we think it's this old, and that's because you can't radiocarbon date rock. And it's like, well, I mean, there's other artifacts in these sites, right? And and uh, that's how we make these connections. I just uh, so. It's a strange one. Yeah, I think that's Giorgio who says that. Uh, since you can't radio cabin rock, we have no way to really know how old it is. But as you say, there's material culture that we could use to date the um, site. Um, unfortunately, some of that material might get lost, but we can still you know, find um, some sort of baseline uh, from ceramics and other items that we could find in the cavern. And they usually do that uh, say, oh, you can't do this. Therefore, my idea must be true. Except that yeah. Giorgio doesn't really tell us why he gets that date. He just got it somewhere and trust him. <laughs> yeah, tr trust on that part <laughs> the good old-fashioned trust me. i find this with pseudo-archaeology very broadly radiocarbon dating i think because it's a thing everybody knows exists right it's like universally hmm. recognizable everybody knows oh that's a thing it, there's a lot of mistruths that get thrown around about radiocarbon radiocarbon dating is a very specific technique it involves very specific conditions it works on certain kinds of material it only can provide you dates on materials of certain age ranges so like mm. a lot of times people are like oh that you know the radiocarbon dates are bad on this five million year old thing it's like you can't use radiocarbon dating on sites that are five million years old you just can't it's not it's not how it works there are also many other dating techniques that archaeologists use some of them radiometric or you know chemical physiochemical like radiocarbon dating mm. some of them literally are used to date actual rocks uh, though not necessarily these rocks but volcanic <laughs> rocks if it's made of volcanic rock you could use potassium argon dating on it right uh maybe yeah and uh so some of them really do date rocks uh and and uh and other times we use the the cultural continuity of artifact styles and architecture styles and artistic expression and we can make connections between okay this site has the same kinds of artifacts in it as these 100 other sites in the region many of those we can date more reliably right so you can make connections that way those kind of relative mm. dating techniques so yeah, radiocarbon dating gets used it gets sort of used and abused i think a lot in pseudo archaeology because simply because it's 
something everybody knows about. Um, but it's it's been, they're they're doing that here too. I think they're kind of ignoring the fact that radiocarbon dating is not the only tool in the archaeologist toolkit for dating sites. <laughs> not even close. It's one of many uh, that's sometimes not useful for a site, and other times is. And it's of course, have you handled the thing you want to date? Uh, contamination is not unheard of mm-hmm. in that field. But let's um, move a bit further because they start to talk about Zoroastrian and a bit of the legends and they tie into the Great Flood. So yes, in the Zoroastrian belief, there is this notion that Ahura Mazda, which is one of their uh, gods, told Jima to dig a cavern, basically, to protect himself from winter that Ahura Mazda would bring down to um, remove all the wicked people. Just as in Bible, basically. But they're bringing up this because if you have seen ancient aliens before, you know what's coming. Of course, ancient gods are aliens. Yeah, that's just Why kind of an else? accepted fact on this show, huh? That's just like, that's baseline, right? You're just supposed to, yeah. if, so, uh, if, if somebody uses the word God, that means alien. And it's like... Uh, that took me from back as somebody who has not been like you watching this whole show up to this point. I was like, wait, are we just supposed to, they're not going to give us any, there's no, uh, there's no argument for that. We just, <laughs> so that was interesting. No, no, no. But they usually bring it up sometimes because if you've watched it previously, you know that flying chariots that must describe aliens, spaceships, but they don't have the vocabulary to describe a uh, metallic spaceship landing so they of course use a chariot because they know a chariot so that's their whole logic behind (laughs) and that's like so close to something real right the idea of um cultural uh when, when when a culture experiences a novel idea it gets integrated into that culture in ways that are um unique right it gets entangled with that culture's own the, the people in that culture's own experiences and understanding of the world. Sure. Right. That, I mean, that's real. Mm. That's a real phenomenon. Um, but you, you, you can't just like use that as an excuse to say, Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. That's, it's gotta be aliens. I, it's, that's the only explanation for this. And it's, so they, yeah, kind of, again, it's sort of a misuse of a real idea in a way that does a lot of disservice to our understanding of ancient people and what they actually were like. Of course, Ahura Mazda was battling people. That's why they needed to dig this cavern, of course, because why else would you need to build an underground cavern if not for protecting yourself from alien warfare yeah. i assume oh my and... so this was uh, so we can now we're at it right the reason <laughs> if you if anybody's watching the show along with us here right the reason that they supposedly built these caves was because of an intergalactic war over control of earth and yeah. the spaceships were gonna fly over and kill everybody so they dug these holes to pr- to protect themselves and then the vents that are to you know would have been uh blah 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 wild wild stuff i i i was just i was mouth agape while listening to them <laughs> so but there's no other yeah, reason there's nothing else anybody would ever you you would never want to protect yourself from anything else other than an intergalactic alien war so not warfare or raids or 
any kind of violence or even protecting yourself perhaps from natural disasters. No, the only reason to build a city with defenses <laughs> is to protect you from the intergalactic alien war. <laughs> yeah, the vents are real, which is quite an engineering feature that they sort of leave out. They're, but, very um, impressive, very impressive engineering feature, yeah. But they do bring up the, the whole raiders and, you know, warfare, but... The whole excuse there was, well, you don't need to build underground uh, city to protect yourself from raiders. And on horseback, you can find the vents and just cover them and, you know, smother the whole city. So it's not a great defense, while a walled city would be better in their point of view. I don't know. Um, and mo- I mean, yeah, most most people did build walled cities. That's a very common way that people protected themselves in antiquity uh, and even into the much more recent past. Uh, yeah. So sure, but this that's not the only way to sort of protect. The vent thing was crazy because then they don't they also openly admit that there are thousands of these vents, right? So you're going to tell me that every there some raiders are going to. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Didn't happen, I guess, or maybe it did. I guess we'll never know. But I don't think it was. But yeah, that, but that was uh, I think that's uh, that's your that's Zuclus, right? Who kind of again comes on and he says, "Oh well, the vents are okay because you know aliens would be flying by in spaceships at in tremendous yeah, speeds. So they wouldn't see they wouldn't them. be able to see the vents. <laughs> <laughs> but if you come on horseback, you will be able to find them. So these aliens are super like uh, unbelievable futuristic powers, aliens." Uh, but they're going to get fooled by some some vents. Like uh, they, they don't yeah. have uh, they don't have remote sensing technology. They can't they can't see that there's all these chambers underneath the earth or something. I don't know. No, they don't have a ground penetrating radar. No. That's their only weakness. That's their only weakness is they didn't invent ground penetrating radar. <laughs> oh, shoot, <laughs> that was I don't know. I don't know if that was the wildest claim. But it was the first truly wild claim in this episode. The the suddenly we'd like had this really quite dramatically created CG of spaceships yeah. fighting each other around Earth. <laughs> and I was like, whoa. Like <laughs> I think later on some of the claims get maybe even a little bit weirder, but that was the first truly like, here we go. Here's here's a here's a weird one. Yeah, usually they tend to, you know ease into it there's no alien spaceships within the first minutes you should save that part for the you know last 20 minutes or so when you're warmed up and um, ready to go so to say but yeah this time they they start cold do they do they usually do like a world tour like they do in this episode where they yeah they like to jump around so you have to that's a little bit of the game to see where they're going to head next Mm -hmm. they don't stick to a place that long they you know cut it up and then from turkey we go to american southwest for example like this time (laughs) yeah which um and sometimes they try to tie all of these together the last episode we watched the underwater episode and they jump between bermuda bermuda and japan and all over the place but they there they try trying to tie it to atlantis all the time for example here they're a bit more scattered. They're trying to just come up with this underground alien theory. But um, how about moving towards the American Southwest? Yeah, this was the next. Where maybe you are a bit familiar. Would you really 
group the Navajo, Zuni, Pueblo, Hopi, Apache people together as they do here? No, not in the way that they would do it. I mean, I think that's really reductive, right? And this is a very common practice in pseudo-archaeologies of North America and 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 of the of the Western Hemisphere is to try and flatten cultural diversity, mm. right? There are hundreds, if not thousands, of Native nations uh, throughout you know, the last few thousand years, certainly thousands uh, of, of native nations all over North America. And I'm, I'm not an indigenous person. I'm never going to, I'm never going to try and speak to native experiences directly. Like they're perfectly happy yeah. to do in this show, frankly. Uh, but, uh, but I, I think that's really reductive to sort of say, Oh, you know, we, you know, um, but these kinds of shows, they do this all the time, right? They're trying to find commonalities, right? Like the flood or mm. Atlantis, right? These things that they can kind of, grab from different different uh, cosmologies and different origin stories, different religious practices around the world. And I think that's what they're doing here. They're basically saying, oh, we want to, oh, I don't think they do a very good job of it here. I think that these, I think that the, um, the Southwest, as well as the, when they get into the Americas, I think they do a, it's not a very convincing job of even trying to find connections between these different um, cultural traditions. So, I mean, the law, the, the short answer is no, I, I think they're being really reductive here in, in flattening those cultures out and suggesting there's a lot of overlap between them. Sure. Are those related cultures from the same region? There's some cultural um, similarities between them, some linguistic similarities mm-hmm. between them um, for sure. Uh, they, 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 some shared history there within that region, but those are very distinct cultures with their own distinct belief, uh, belief systems uh, and their own ways of being. So I think they've been, I think they've, they've really, they've really uh, flattened that here. Yeah. I'm a bit impressed that they speak about something else than the Sunni and the Hopi uh, tribes, because that's been their favorites so far. I can freely admit that I'm not an expert on the American continent in general uh, as a Swedish archaeologist who studied Vikings for most of the time. Uh, but is there any truth? Do you know anything about the creation stories of the... Um... I mean, I'm certainly not an expert on this region either. And I, I mean, I think what they're doing here is what they do with any other part of the world is they go into a creation story, uh, a foundational text, a religious, mm. a, a set of religious beliefs, and they're cherry picking out the the little bits that they like, right? Yeah. That, that sort of that sort of support their ideas. Uh, you know, all oh, some mention of uh, you know a flood, some mention of a catastrophe, some mention of a yeah, every origin story ever has catastrophes in it. And has uh, it's just the, like the nature of religious belief in many ways. And you can go in, you can always go in and sort of cherry pick something. I think that's, I don't think it's any more complicated than that here. I think they're doing the same thing. Now in the Americas, this is like classic centuries old colonizer stuff, right? Mm. This is the, this is, this is the kind of stuff that uh, settler colonizers have been doing for a very long time um, as a way of trying to claim other people's cultures and cultural stories as their own or as less important than their own um, or um, for, for a variety of, of colonial reasons. Um, and I think this is a pretty, pretty, pretty standard fare for that. Uh, it's got the weird, you know, um, extravagance of, well, the end answer is it's, it's aliens always, right? 
because that's the nature of the show. <laughs> but I find it really gross because uh, even more gross than somebody just spouting this stuff on the internet. Because of course these shows are made to profit, right? These these people are making, yeah. but they're raking in a lot of money making these shows. And some of these 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 faces on these shows are are celebrities because of spouting this stuff. So they're they're taking other people's religious beliefs cherry picking them twisting them and then using them to to profit and that's like super gross right it's really really it's really it's 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 icky uh to say the least yeah. I mean, that's that's being very mild it's i'd use worse words but <laughs> i won't um so that's that's my take on it anyway they do have some token uh, native people here on the show. Yeah, I don't know who these guys are. I'm wondering that too. And and the way that they, I mean, I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to guess on the way they they manipulate guests on these shows. But some of these shows, and it was big news maybe six months ago about how there was this new Atlantis show and they really did do that. Mm. They had all kinds of people on the show, scientists and non-scientists alike, and they really misled them about what they were going to be doing on the yeah. show. And they twisted their words and made them look like they said things that they didn't really say. So yeah. I never know, you know, when they have people on the ones, it's pretty obvious the ones that are a hundred percent in, but sometimes it seems like on these shows and there are a couple people in this episode and the two native guys look like this like they just ask them these very specific questions and they give these very short answers and then they cut away from them really fast mm. and so it makes me wonder like how much did these guys yeah. really know what they were getting into when they were talking to these dudes i don't know <laughs> and that's a that's a really common practice yeah it was worse in the so if you watch the first episode the first season you will notice that they have these nasa people the scientists the you know the big names within uh, the community and skip to season two and none of them reappears yeah because now they so all I know think... what the show's about <laughs> <laughs> exactly i think they to some extent did mislead or maybe cut you know creatively to make sure that you they still spoke in a sense that well they took a 50 minutes interview and cut it down to two or three phrases mm -hmm. and of course you can find people say oh i agree to that and then you cut that and you know oh we have scientists who say that yeah there's some sense to it or something yeah but uh, i mean who knows I don't, I don't know how much they've done that here but that's certainly a practice elsewhere right so it's not hard to believe yeah. that could have happened here but these native americans in this episode i think they're genuine ufo believers that might have incorporated this into their belief there's not unheard of mm -hmm. in other places and among other people so i don't want to take that from them but as you say i'm not sure on how much they were briefed on what it was about and you know the whole sequence on what they're going to present it as because this leading towards dulce i'm not sure if that's a thing really in Native American archaeology, which uh, the town of Dulce. I, I'd never heard of this thing before. It doesn't mean it's it's not a thing, but that was new to me <laughs> for sure. Uh, so, yeah, because then they also didn't they also talk? They talked to those guys later when they talk about the like secret underground Area Fifty One torture base, right? And they don't think. Yeah, they used the American uh, or Native American. Uh, mythology you know the yeah. ant people the snake people i'm not really great on that there there seems to be some truths or some legends with 
uh, ant people and uh, that i yeah. managed to find from the hopi people at least but yeah there are different there are different religious texts and there's but this happens all over the world right there are people who are <laughs> human like and um um and you know this this you can find this even on quite ancient wall paintings and things and around the world, right? Mm. Images of human animal hybrids, humans transforming into animals and vice versa. Um, yeah. And, and uh, this was a, this is a kind of um, a critique I have of the whole episode. And it really goes back right to the very beginning where they're interviewing the woman who talks about, she keeps using the phrase, the super sciencey sounding phrase. What is it like a uh, extraterrestrial biology, biological, organisms or whatever and you know th this is the thing they do a lot on these shows where they just look at something right let's look at like a picture hmm. a drawing uh of uh, some uh, or even an artifact they do it like 10 times just in this episode yeah and they go oh yeah that's an alien <laughs> i can tell because it looks like an alien to me and even a modicum of archaeological theory puts that idea to rights because you just can't do that right um no. uh, the artistic expressions drawings artifacts are made within a cultural milieu that is uh, and especially if it's from from things where that are qu quite ancient some of these things are thousands of years old we don't know what that person was thinking or experiencing no. or wanting to depict um or how it fit into their religious beliefs or their non you know their 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 quotidian beliefs their non-religious beliefs we we really don't know and we try and reconstruct that through the archaeological record as best we can or from from asking descendant communities and talking to people who 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 might um have insight to that or uh we can try and reconstruct those things but to just look at a picture of a uh, you know a human-like figure that's got a weird shaped head and go oh yeah this is mm. an alien that evolved underground during the ice age or whatever that's a real that was a real <laughs> a real claim in here um it's just you just can't do that you just can't do that it's just it's disrespectful no. it's disrespectful to those people to their religious practices to their ancestors um and it's and again it's pretty gross <laughs> Oh. Yeah, I really agree with that. But here we also have Bill Barnes. Are you familiar with him? I don't think so. Because this is the first time I've seen him. Because he's an anti-evolutionist, oh. and he always have these extra crazy claims. And he didn't uh, this uh, didn't let us down here, really. So the reason why they're at Dulce is because the ancient alienists believe this is a place for a black upside. Yes, apparently. So, uh, I've been vaguely aware of the area, but it's basically your new Area Fifty One. But it's darker, more violent, uh, sexier. <laughs> but they use this to, you know, talk about how ancient people always, as they want to put it in the show, they use the ancient people. Uh, but the Native American, especially in the area, have seen weird lights, and it's because Dulce have this underground base put together by the American government together with the, the alien, uh, the gray aliens, I think, um, because the gray aliens were fighting with the lizard aliens. Yeah, the reptilians, right? This is like X-Files. Yeah, the reptilians. I mean, the people yeah. who basically watch X-Files and just decide, yeah, that's real life. I mean, that's pretty much what happened here. But I know it's a little bit it's a little bit circular because I know X-Files was 
those shows were tapping into, you know, already existing, you know, uh, canon lore, uh, mm. <laughs> let's call it what it is, uh, of this sort of stuff. Yeah, the reptilians and the and the grays. And you can understand why people get drawn in by this stuff, right? It's exciting. It's very interesting. It's okay for it to be fiction, man. It's okay for it to just be the X-Files. Um, but that was really interesting. I had never heard of this site before, this this Black Ops vivisection, human torture, <laughs> creepy place. Um, yeah. I immediately thought of Area 51. I thought, well, that sounds sort of familiar. And then I was reading, you know, your your research and notes on it too, and going, oh, okay, it doesn't surprise me that this is something that's that's been bandied bandied around. Um, and a lot of the claims in these shows, you can often we were talking about this before, right? But you can put a kind of fingernail and scratch just a little bit mm -hmm. underneath is this whole network of conspiracy theory stuff that doesn't necessarily have anything to do with archaeology, doesn't necessarily have anything to do with aliens. Um, and that's where you mentioned one of the episodes, the previous episodes was about Atlantis, right? Atlantis is a nexus point of so many different conspiracy theories. Yeah. Um, and it, and you can, you can put onto it whatever you want, including aliens. Uh, you just say, well, Atlantis was made by aliens and now it's an alien thing. Uh, right. Uh, so you, this, this, you know, this is this. You can see how this connects to conspiracy theories about government, about uh, about the black ops, about the CIA. I don't know. You can almost smell that stuff right underneath mm. this, and they've put an alien veneer on top of it. And because it's underground, <laughs> it fits into the theme of this episode, right? That's, that seems to be literally yeah, the only exactly. Thing. Yeah, that seems to be the one thing that holds this whole episode together. It's oh, this stuff all happens underground. So because this is yeah, that's underground. The important. That's the <laughs> yeah, because. It, this belongs to this episode, even though it doesn't really connect in any way to any of the other stuff they're talking about in this episode. No, but that's why they also have the Native Americans, because they are tied to that area and they they are the ones that, or at least according to the episode, they claim that they've heard these yeah. screams from these mysterious events that apparently you could just stumble upon in the area, but suddenly were gone when it started to spread but it might be good to know that well it's two or three people who is behind the whole mythology about the uh, dulce and the underground bunker prison vivisection experiment thing uh, so it's a phil schneider and a paul benevitz and then there's a third person who i couldn't really track down and many don't even believe that that person is real so I sort of left it out. So it was supposed to be a janitor at this area. Mm. Again, showing how how we always someone have these massive underground bunkers, but then they let the a janitor spill the beans on the whole operation. Yeah, um. yeah they, they, they just hired. Well, we need somebody to clean the toilets, so we're going to hire a guy. Who, and then at the end of the day, be like, "All right, don't tell anybody." You know. It's, it's, <laughs> <laughs> so that seems that's a recurring theme in this episode too. Is I think we're going to see when we move into the sort of the South American section, right? Of the yeah, uh, right. This idea of people who supposedly wrote a thing down in a book one time and that's that's it the rest of all the rest of the ideas are built like an upside down pyramid pyramids yeah. uh like balancing precariously <laughs> on a on a on a on a secret journal entry by some guy uh 50 yeah. years ago and it's it's it, it makes it really hard i mean that's why they use all these weasel statements throughout the show right everything is 
could it be? Uh, it, yeah. Is it possible? Right? Because um, they don't want to well, if, let yeah. you interrogate how thin some of the evidence is for this stuff. Yeah, and it can be good to know that both Schneider and Benowitz have changed their stories so many times that it doesn't really fit up, but parts of it have become sort of a doctrine for the ancient aliens, sort of their uh, religious text. <laughs> but I don't like to really bring it up because it doesn't add that much, but it's still good to know that both these people have struggling with mental illness. Unfortunately, they haven't gotten treatment for it as they might should have, but it, I know it's something worth knowing when you read about it. And um, I mean, that's, 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 yeah, that's manipulative too, right? If you're sort of saying, okay, we've got this person with, with, with a mental illness who has said some stuff and we're going to, prop them up and 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 you know take their delusions and make them real um yeah I mean, it's it that's really exploitative too uh so that's just i don't know there's so many different gross ways that you that, that these things come to be so to be honest can we really disprove that this is a seven level base with room for more than ten thousand prisoners both humans reptiles and grace not really but the show haven't really prove that it exists either so <laughs> oh so many of the things are like that Until right? death. yeah it's kind of prove me and that's what you find out when you engage with believers of this stuff right it's like well prove me wrong it's like well you didn't prove that you're right i don't know like what, what why is that my job to prove that you're wrong about this um <laughs> and I, I don't know i guess we go out there and ground truth it but nobody's gonna who, who you know you can't get near the place i have no idea where this place is if it's on federal property or if it's on reservation lands i don't know so why would I don't know why would you because then people are just going to tell you you're liars anyway even if you did it be like oh there's nothing out there it's just a, it's just a Mesa <laughs> or they have some secret technology or of course they let you look at that area because it's over there or and then you waste time and money to you know trying to prove that something or prove a negative since they don't provide any evidence from the start uh, which is basically how they stay in business they want to give you some vague description uh, but then again somehow it's your job to prove them wrong instead of them proving their thesis right as any other scientists have to do which uh, somewhat leads us to the next section i think uh, cuevas de tayos or the metal library are you familiar with this, Any of this I had never heard of this before. <laughs> and then as, as soon as I started watching it, I was I could I could sense very quickly and then I saw from your notes that this is a this is an old idea, this this metal library thing. And it was very interesting how they how they introduced it. I think they did a kind of a clever job actually of introducing this because I had never heard of this before. And so mm -hmm. they introduced it very slowly. Oh, there's this this Spanish guy missionary guy i was thinking he was spanish right and he found this this or somebody gave him a local indigenous person gave him some objects and some of them had this weird writing on it and they were made of metal and isn't that strange and then there was this yeah. survey and they found the, the and and they found this library or no it was like they just there's just this one guy right says that he 
he found this, this metal library. Um, uh, and, and they, but they presented that very cleverly. They didn't just go, now yeah. we're going to talk about the metallic library. It was, they built it up little by little. It's very clever storytelling. I mean, it's all, it's all mm. horse crap, right? But it's, it was a very, it's a very clever way of structuring it <laughs> for somebody who had not myself. I'd never heard of this before. I was like, okay, all right, well, let's see where this is going to go. Um, but this was full of super gross stuff too. Cause you have, you have the, the whole story of the, 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 the Western hemisphere stuff, at least, and maybe this is true of the old world stuff too, but the Western hemisphere stuff is just dripping with like colonialism narratives, right? Mm. You have the, the whole Spanish missionary, uh, talking to the head hunters, quote unquote, uh, yeah. <laughs> lots of that sort of like primitive people language banded about in these parts, um, and, and collecting these objects. And then, you know, a hundred years later, this Danikin inspired weirdo colonialist dude puts together this huge expedition to go find it. And they, they, they barge <laughs> in and they're, they're busting the place up and pulling artifacts out of the walls. <laughs> and then his daughter is like, all right, why don't you come film me in my house where I've got an entire black market's worth of, 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 of looted <laughs> artifacts on my walls. And I'll show you how some of them look like uh, whatever I want them to look like. It was just, it was a, it was like a, like an Indiana Jones movie, man. Like what it was, it was a, it was all in there. This section, it was all in there and all of it was gross. <laughs> That's my theme word. Yeah. Gross. <laughs> so yeah, when they start this out and bring up the Schwar people and, you know, mention the word headhunter, I felt that can't be good. It was foreboding. No. It was foreboding. It was foreboding. <laughs> Because, well, they you love to use the word primitive describing ancient people in general, and they usually, you know, bring up some picture of, uh, you know, Homo erectus to show Stone Age people. So I felt that this this might be going for downward. But then we meet Van Daniken, who you might know in name at least. Yeah, Van Daniken and... was a person who I was familiar with of all, of all this stuff. That, <laughs> that one I'd heard of. He's pretty he's pretty famous. <laughs> I'm a bit amazed that they even bring this up because the thing is Van Daniken did um sat down with a known skeptic in the what was it the 80s I believe for Playboy might not be the best magazine, but... Hey, you know, um, some people just read it for the article. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's how we're going to get this 80s <laughs> magazine back. <laughs> but, yeah, so... Oh, no, I lost the name of him, but he was quite prominent in the skeptic movement. He had read up a, a lot before the interview, so he could put Van Däniken in his place and he started to talk about the Metal Library and the Cueva de Teos and in that interview Van Däniken admits that he wasn't there and that he usually have some um, he takes some uh, author author liberties so to say that he you know make it a bit more interesting in his writing because he doesn't present fact in that sense he's he's an author so he needs you know to make it interesting for the reader Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, so i'm quite impressed that they mentioned the name of the book gold of the gods Uh, he was on the 
starting to sell a lot less. Uh, and that was how he picked it up until that interview, which where he <laughs> debunked himself by mistake. <laughs> I, I, I think this, this really strikes to something that I noticed in this episode and I suspect is a theme through the show. The people who make these shows think you're stupid. Like, right? Like they, they think you are not the kind of person who's going to do any research, who's not going to read anything. So they can throw out this book that they know the author has said was false. And they just assume, mm. well, the watchers aren't going to go and check that out. They're not going to go read the book. Why would they do that? They treat you <laughs> like you're stupid. And uh, it's like offensive, right? It's sort of like, uh, you know, and, and that's not even getting into the way that they, they manipulate scientific evidence and they use bad science and that's also treating the viewer like they're stupid but i mean this yeah. is just like such a, a a cold example of that of like well several examples in here are you know of uh, things that have just been the people who wrote them or said them have come out as saying ah that wasn't true i made it up but they just assume well nobody's gonna nobody's gonna do that research um or they expect that you're willing to just say oh that's a secret conspiracy that 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 yeah. Anakin said that he he only said that because he was pressured by whatever, um, and uh, you know you're you're you know dear viewer, you're smart, you're an intelligent person, you're beautiful and wonderful, and uh, and and you shouldn't be you shouldn't have to be told that you're stupid by ancient aliens, and no, <laughs> so that's that's my that was my takeaway on this, right? Yeah, because they leaving out um, this myth originates with a. Uh, guy named Morish, uh, Moritz, who they left out from the episode because with him they need to admit towards the interview that Van Däniken claims he lied because mm -hmm. he just read what this guy was doing and then just wrote it in his book and said, I was with this guy in the cavern and that guy said, no, you wasn't there at all. That's why they left him out. But we meet Stanley Hall that you mentioned uh, who is an amateur explorer, uh, who in 1975 led a whole expedition. Among them were actually Neil Armstrong, the astronaut, for real. Mm -hmm. And um, to quote Armstrong himself, it was the conclusion of our expedition group that they, the caves, were natural formations. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. In the episode, they talk about how it was machine carved and they had, they name drop a Dr. Brian Kelly, who I couldn't find at all on the internet. Uh, I'm not sure where he was, but no mention of a Brian Kelly who was in the Amazon with expertise in geology. But it doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. That it just means that it probably didn't happen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the Armstrong inclusion is an interesting one because it's another example of this, right? Very easy to fact check, but they wanted to, mm. they wanted to have that credential adding of being, Oh, Neil Armstrong. That's a, you know, he, he's famous. Everybody knows who Neil Armstrong is. He, he walked on the moon. That's he's, he's, he's an American <laughs> hero. <laughs> All of which is true, I guess, but it's like, you know, two seconds of Googling and you find out, he came home and said, "Oh yeah, it was nothing. It was it was just a it was just a cave." <laughs> so, yeah, it was a waste of time. I think he even added later on, you know, they they were uh, Stanley Hall somehow managed to get them and hundred real scientists to walk into the forest to look at a cave who was a natural 
cave. No one in that expedition has come out to say otherwise. It's just Stanley Hall who was very persuasive and managed to waste quite a lot of money on the whole ordeal. Uh, but anyway, uh, <laughs> yeah. Then, yeah, we. And the, oh, this is the, the story whole, that had the, that had the the guy who just like made it up, probably right with uh, uh, Jaramillo, right? Is that his name? The who? Yeah, Petrino Jaramillo. Yeah, he is one of the originators. He claimed that he had as a boy. I think it's a boy in this episode at least uh, as a boy he had gone uh, dive or dove into the water and managed to find this cave but apparently uh, there's different versions so in other stories he have told papers he found it while he was a major in the military out on jungle patrol uh, and his wife has admitted to writing down different versions of these stories for a novel that uh, Jaramillo was trying to write at one point. So again, one of those who realized that he can make a buck on saying something and going forward with it. Yeah. The one part of this story I thought that was the, the heroic moment was they mentioned that they thought that when, when the missionary, his collections all disappeared after his death, and they suggested, well, maybe the Schwar people came and took them back. And I was like, yeah, I hope so. That would be <laughs> that was that was a good that's a good that's a good image, right? They just like they're like, oh, we're gonna go get our stuff back, and they <laughs> took it back. He just walked into town. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's Eileen Hall, uh, Stanley Hall's daughter, who claimed that. But um, oh yeah, that was yeah. that's right, that's right. And she then and, and she's the one that has the has the. The, the the collection of uh, black market antiquities in her entire house, um, presumably. <laughs> That's yeah, yeah. But Father Crespi, he he was quite a character, as I've come to understand it, and he has been fooling people with his collection for quite some time. Even James Randi uh, visited him uh, way before this even. And then already he also was one of those people who seemed to suffer from a mental illness. And he had he had a quite extensive collection of carvings that he probably made himself even see in the episode different metal plates he holds up. And if you look at them, you notice that they are A, quite recently carved and poorly so and doesn't really fit the uh, South American carving culture really stylistically if you you know <laughs> gave it a glance uh, but yeah Crespi he has been known to fool people and I like the James Randi connection to him also <laughs> yeah, but um, Eileen Hall she still searching for uh, this cave and even her coordinators according to them but if you go to them, there's nothing there. As you said, uh, where a, I think it's Giorgio who brings up the statue, or is it Eileen even? Yeah, she brings up the statue, but then Giorgio cuts in to uh, give us our first, it's just like the Egyptians moment. Uh, although not really, because they already, right, they compared that site earlier to the pyramids. Uh, but just this random image of an elongated heads, and they start talking about elongated heads, and then totally drop that 
that that thread immediately. They're like, oh, you know, elongated heads, crystal skulls, and then they and then it's then they just they just move on, (laughs) and uh, it's just like it's just like the Egyptians see, and uh, and then the narrator has to come in and try and do a little cleanup and says, was it just (laughs) like the Egyptians, or did the Egyptians? also speak to ancient aliens or whatever uh and i i I had trouble following (laughs) what was even happening in that section so i thought this whole section was quite cleverly constructed and then at the end it just kind of vomited on itself in this uh in this uh in this in this way they introduced all these characters like i said most of whom i'd never heard of and they introduced them in these uh, it's so subtly and always oh, this, this, this mid 19th century, uh, mm-hmm. or, you know, the mid 20th century, you know, Crespi, they introduce him very carefully and, uh, uh, and they don't tell you about any of this stuff about how he's been accused of just making the stuff himself. And, um, <laughs> and that if you look at it, if you were able to look at it any more closely than the five frames, they show it from, from zoomed out, uh, you could see that it's clearly not real you know they're not real artifacts they're just they're stuff he either made himself or whatever yeah. um and uh, but they don't they don't i don't know they, they quite cleverly construct that and then at the end i think i always feel like giorgio at this point this is getting a little metatextual but he he this might have been when he was reaching his like apex of cultural uh clout right where the second season <laughs> the show was successful he had the haircut and he was he talks yeah. like the way he talks and he just, you know, he is this personality. Um, and, uh, and, and so uh, there's several times in this episode where they, he feels very shoehorned in. He just pops in and says some random thing <laughs> that has almost nothing to do with what they're talking about. And then the narrator has to like c- clean up his mess. <laughs> and I feel like this was maybe the best example of that. He just pops in and he's like, Hey, look, here's a picture of an, of, of an Egyptian skull of an Egyptian, uh, 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 an Egyptian person. And, uh, don't you see the similarity? And I'm like, not really. I don't know what you're talking about. So that's my theory. It's my metatextual theory about why, why Giorgio has to pop in once in a while and spout some nonsense. Yeah. Yeah. I have my own theory. So if I've seen a bit more than you here an elongated skull that's you know the um, one of ancient aliens favorite things because if you think about it it looks like the gray aliens mm. you know with the elongated skull so of course they wanted to imitate these god um, alien people so what they're showing you is actually as Egyptian statue as you're saying but it's actually the daughter of Akhenaten made in the style of the Amarna tradition. So in the show, uh, Giorgio says that this is a typical Egyptian depiction or that you find all over Egypt, which is not true. Uh, You find it over a very limited time in Egyptian history. Uh, But again, you have the Akhenaten because if you've seen earlier episode, Akhenaten is of course an alien. Oh, oh, she literally is an alien. Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. So she's he not mimicking. It. She's not mimicking an alien. Oh, this is good lore that I needed to know to understand. This. Um, so that's right. So this is because I have not watched the whole show, and I'm and I, I'm just going to be honest. I'm not going to. Uh, they, <laughs> I can't take that level of psychic damage. The the uh, uh, that's that's interesting. So this is actually building on a theme that's been going in the show. And yeah, once, but they're leaving. Once, once you recognize her and go, oh yeah, she's an alien. I know her. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Uh, not that. I think that once, you know, to tie that South America and Egypt must have contact somehow. <laughs> and how would they have done that without 
any advanced flying machines type of thing, basically. Mm-hmm. And uh, but they even have the eight shape blocks. They have some animation where we go down into the library. They're trying to tie it up. So we have this eight-shaped block from Puma Punko in the background. Did you catch that little? I did not. No. <laughs> <laughs> nope. <laughs> so when they're cleaning it up, and you know they're showing you their uh, the animation where you see this ancient stone library vault where the stones are. You can see in the background you have the Puma Punko uh, H block, just so you can you know tie it to another site <laughs> mm-hmm. so they're they're trying to build a little a little network here i think you know the narrator in this section does an interesting thing which is which is almost quasi archaeological where they raise you know two possible like equifinal interpretations right if we want to accept mm. that there there has to be a link between let's say the pyramids in egypt and the mayan pyramids or something oh they have to be linked even though we can very easily think if you want to make a really tall structure it makes sense to start big at the bottom and get smaller as you go up uh it's 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 actually quite logical. Uh, it's not that hard to imagine that two different groups of people might have thought of that. Um, but th- let's say we, we had to prove that there was a link between these two things. We get this kind of equifinality interpretation here where they say, well, it could be that the aliens, both of them equifinality and that they both are aliens. Well, the aliens might have given them technology so that they could actually like link, you know, they could talk to each other and they could fly back mm. and forth over the, the, the ocean. Uh, or it's that the same aliens we're talking to both of them separately and they learned it. Yeah. Right. Um, and that's like almost like how real science works. <laughs> right? Where you, you kind of, you kind of come up with a couple of different competing hypotheses and then you test them against each other. Uh, but this, this, uh, but they, the, it's so circular because they've already decided we already know aliens are the answer. We just want to know how did the aliens yeah. do it. Right. That's really what they're trying to answer here. <laughs> So that this was a great example of that too, and I, that, I did not notice that little bit of lore, but that feeds into that. You can see how that feeds into this idea that we're that we want to tell the, the the reader, the viewer, they already know the answer here. It was aliens. Yeah. Aliens taught them how to do it. We're just trying to answer the question: How did the aliens do it? And that's a whole different level of of acceptance, right? So, yeah, they are not trying to. You know, uh, let you decide from the evidence they have their plot point already. It was ancient aliens. Everything else would be silly. Um, but let's move to. I have no idea how to really pronounce this. Tatspian. Yeah, Tatspian. Um, yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I'm certainly no expert in in this either. But boy, we do another. We do another globe trotting no. jump here. <laughs> Uh, a bit less this time. We only moved to the Yucatan uh, Peninsula in uh, Mexico. Staying the same, and uh, <laughs> yeah, almost the same. And uh, we go to a excavation from 2007, and Guillermo de Anda, who I actually had heard about previously, just in passing, yeah, but. I was familiar with the name. He's quite famous among uh, cave exploring and diving archaeology, uh, underwater archaeology, spelunking and things like that. Mm. And he did find in Tachpien 
in Mexico in 2007, uh, Underground Cave, which he believes is um, a Mayan, has a connection to Chibalba in the Mayan tradition. Uh, were you familiar with this find previously, or was this new to you too? This was mostly new to me. I think similarly, this is the kind of thing I had sort of heard about because uh, uh, I, you know, underwater archaeology is something I keep a half an eyeball on. I got a minor in underwater archaeology yeah. as an undergraduate, and so it, <laughs> it just interests me. So it was one of those things that was like, oh yeah, okay. Uh, um, it was very interesting to see that get integrated here into the show, and it's another great case study in a way that they manipulate real archaeological data into saying something I don't think it really says, right? Um, which is, which is, hmm. I'm sure we'll get into here, but. Yeah, I, I was impressed that they got uh, the Anda to appear on the show even. Again, I think it's one of those who might not have realized before what he was dealing with, because when I read up on, on him uh, later, he seems like your ordinary scientist yeah, he doesn't, doesn't seem to be a, he doesn't come across as a believer i don't think no no i don't think he is i haven't found any proof about it at least of more other than appearing here but yeah he found this kevin and as i've understood i'm no mayan expert but i read up by keeping an eye and spent some uh, courses on it but um it's not the Mayans did have Shibalba, the underground death place, and it's a quite important part within the Mayan tradition. And we have found other caves that archaeologists do believe are representation for Shibalba under, I think it's even under one of the pyramids now lost, which one? Yeah, anyway. <laughs> so the idea that they're presenting here from the start isn't strange to anyone really yeah i mean I, that's not hard for me to buy people do that all the time right they have an important cultural uh story or a part of their religion that they and then people depict that in material ways in the real world mm. we do that all the time humans do that all the time right that's not that hard to believe so no, that's, and yeah so i i didn't find that and i don't know the specifics of this site and i have not you know interrogated the evidence myself but i <laughs> i don't find that 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 doesn't seem like a totally out of nowhere interpretation to me. No, and we have other examples such as they bring up the Popol Vuh and we have the sunken courtyards that's important in that story. And the ball game, of course, in Mayan tradition is also a very important part that comes from their religion or at least are incorporated in their religion. But the, then they do a little twist because they start to talk about torture chambers. And as I understood, the caves are separated in different room. And again, we have other examples of it in the Mayan traditions. But one room they claim is a literal river of blood, which seems strange. <laughs> that was what I wrote in my notes here. A trench that might have once been filled with blood because it's a trench and trenches can hold liquids. That's That was the evidence that they gave for this. I have that written in all caps in my notes. <laughs> what? So again, I, I, yeah, it, it was a very strange jump to me to go from, okay, this is a, a representative religious space in which mm. parts of the religious story are being represented materially. And that's something that people do. 
uh, through many cultures all over the world throughout time. So not that hard for me to believe. And then they, yeah, oh, but actually people were like carrying out horrible torture in these places to recreate. It's like, I don't think we really have any evidence for that whatsoever that that actually happened. Torture was a weird, <laughs> low-grade theme throughout this whole episode. Did you notice that? <laughs> yeah, they... <laughs> but they, I think it's to capture the, the viewer. And in a sense, I think it's to show that the ancient people were a bit barbaric, primitive. Yeah. You know? And so, well, torture is something only barbarians and primitives does. So... When I try to research this, I found mentions of this river of blood, but only on ancient alien sites. And the site, the Anda doesn't seem to have published anything great on it, at least that I can find, you know, with my resources might be somewhere. But, but from how he talks on National Geographic and other things, the thesis he has is that the site is older then we want to date Mayan tradition to. If he would be true and the water table was lower, we would need to move the Maya time period back. And which I, that happens all the time in archaeology, right? Yeah. That happens all the time. We find new sites, we find new evidence, and it changes the timeline. And then sometimes there are things are older than we thought they were, or not as old as we thought they were. Okay, uh, I, you know, I don't, the, the 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 jump that the the jump that the show always makes when they make here is. All that proves that it was that aliens taught them this stuff or that this was actually yeah. like alien gods living down here or something and they were there to do sacrifices for them or something and like that's that leap of logic is not necessary i think it's, it's a little bit of a gotcha like oh mm. we got the archaeologists because they told us this like was this old <laughs> and actually it's a little bit older than that and any archaeologist would tell you okay that's <laughs> that's just new evidence that happens all the time um yeah. you know it, that's, that's fine <laughs> We're not like, you know, indebted to some chronology that was determined 50 years ago and it can never change. The chronologies of sites and cultures changes all the time. And uh, and, mm. and so so that was yeah, the river of blood thing. It, again, a great example of this, like in the in this show of just like we see a thing. And we like the idea that that's what it was. And so that's what it is, right? I looked mm. at the picture of a, of a, of a, what I think is a weird looking depiction of a human. So it must be an alien. Uh, you know, the elongated head, she must have been an alien, right? Uh, mm. uh, there's a, there's a trench in this cave and, and, and that connects to a, a river of blood in a, in a, in a, in a religious text. Therefore, this was literally filled with human blood in antiquity. Yeah. Uh, which is what you know. You have to you have to be willing to accept these huge leaps in logic, um, and this is just another example of that. I think. Yeah, an example of again getting a reasonable person to appear on the show and then edit cleverly around it because it's not the Anda who comes with these strange claims. He talks quite reasonable things on how it found, and you know, he mentions some things like the temple. That he found in there, the pyramid that, okay, yeah, that's cool and everything. But then they cut in around him. So, you know, taking his credentials to, 
again put words in his mouth even if he doesn't really speak about it yeah, which is a bit unjust i think um, yeah and he's he's rightly bit- excited right he comes in there and i think he says something about all oh, this site is older than any site of this type should be or whatever however he puts yeah. it and they then they cut to that and they go oh yeah that's proof that that actually you know it's it's what we say it is and it's like of course he's excited about that. that's an exciting finding right that's a transformative mm-hmm. finding um that you that that a new site um uh, pushes back a timeline or changes a timeline or lets us know something new that we didn't know before um of course he's going to be excited about that that's that's an exciting finding with just uh, just as a scientist um yeah. we don't need to add all this bizarro stuff to it to make it exciting (laughs) i mean the site and again i don't really know this site personally i've never read anything about it personally that's not in in these kind of pseudo archaeology things it just sounds like it's a cool archaeological site all on its own doesn't need this weird stuff yeah Uh, (laughs) (laughs) and then they bring up my favorite thing that they tend to do uh, mix and match freely so they talk about the shalambalam uh, book of the Jaguar Priests, which is actually several books, but they don't mention that. But they are, you know, the traditions and uh, text from the Mayan people written in, I think it's after Spanish came to Mesoamerica. But here they mix and match a little bit because they talk about the road to the stars descends or the road to the stars descends from the sky. And that 13 and the 9 gods came to Earth. I think that's Childress who brings that up, or Giorgio. Now I'm a bit hazy on that part. But from Maya point of view, that doesn't really make sense to me. And I try to find the passage. Can't find it in any translated Chilambalam book I could um, have access to. And I think they have cleverly mixed this up to give you know a bit credence to your own text because if you look at the aztec mythology instead there you have 13 heavens and nine underworlds which i my theory is that they have mixed up aztec and mayan invent things that would fit into their perspective because that's what they've done in the past and they don't really give you any sources other than it is in this ancient text somewhere you have to trust me yeah trust me bro could be the subtitle of this show. uh and it's it's yeah they do they they it's it's another example of them like kind of like telling us they think we're stupid right like they're just they're they're it's a very much uh and it's also very circuit the logic of it is very circular it's so we mm. we've already determined what the answer is and we just want to find the things that support our conclusion and that is literally the opposite of what science is it's completely backwards right we turn science on its head uh and uh that's you know and they, these these people tend to you know present themselves as scientists they want us to think they're scientists mm. and you know they're not they're like they're like anti-scientists they're doing the opposite of what science is and I, I i had a note to myself from again way back in the beginning i was so thrown off by that use of that phrase and the one woman on, I don't remember her name, but she comes on just a couple of times. And every time she uses that phrase uh, or like a, a extraterrestrial organic being or something or, or something. And I can't remember. The full yeah, word, I think that's Linda Moulton-Hove. Uh, yeah. She actually got an Emmy for her reporting. 
Yeah. And she, she, she throws that word around and that reminded me so much of so much pseudo archeology span where you create <laughs> jargon, you talk to people who have credentials in something that's unrelated. Mm. It's all about like a search for um, uh, lending credence, lending uh, a weight to the things that you're saying without actually saying them, without actually making a real scientific claim, without actually presenting evidence. Because if you did that, it would be, you know, hilariously easy to deconstruct. Uh, and and uh, and that's, I think that's, again, sort of what's happening here. I think you're right. I think that's what they've done. They've gone and they've, they've gone and, oh, well, we've got these two or three different texts. They have nothing to do with each other from totally different cultures, hundreds or even thousands of years apart. And we're just going to grab a little thing here and grab a little thing there. Yeah. And we mix it together and now it's aliens, right? Uh, that's, that's, that's so offensive. <laughs> Right to the ancient people who who actually did these things and actually wrote these texts and actually, um, it's I don't know. So I think I agree with you. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, and I think they do it because it's easier for them to sound credible. Because just because I can't find it, it doesn't mean that it doesn't exist. So they still can, you know, say, "Oh, you didn't look in the right place, or your translation is wrong, or." You didn't look it up at all, yeah, but I won't give you any page number yeah. or book. Yeah. <laughs> well, you show me the thing then. Oh, no, you got to do it yourself because that's how you find the truth, man. You got to find yeah, it yourself. You, you need that's to do the work. research yourself. Why do, I do research all the time on real things, okay? I don't have time for this. <laughs> <laughs> and then we have a Mr. Wilcock who have been quite prominent in at least season two. And he has an interesting theory about the Maya uh, sacrifice. So he didn't believe that ETs came here to say that they should sacrifice people. They uh, they left. So since the aliens were their gods and they went away, uh, people were so distraught that they started to sacrifice humans for the aliens to come back. Which, again, is rubbing a culture of their heritage on a it new is. level. <laughs> this part grossed me out a lot. First of all, this guy is slimy. Uh, the the yeah. guy. Uh, he really grossed me out maybe more than anybody else in the show. And this, this, this passage bothered me more than most of the others because you can almost sense he was offended by the mm. idea that the aliens would have encouraged human sacrifice. Yeah. He was like, oh no, the aliens wouldn't have done that. But the people, yeah, no, of course. As soon as they left, they started they started, you know, sacrificing each other because they were because they were, you know, these these backwards people who didn't know what they were doing. So it's like he, he lends to these these fictional aliens uh a, a humanity that he refuses to lend to actual humans to actual mm. people um and and the descendants of those actual people living today right and just as you said he does that by robbing them instantly of their of of their own heritage of their own history um and uh so well i'm sorry i didn't even get all I get a little bit fired up on that one, but th this this passage bothered me about as much as anything in the show uh, for for that reason. Part of it was that yeah, the like slimy, like the aliens wouldn't have done that. Come on, yeah. dude! <laughs> like you're going to defend the aliens, but you're not going to defend people, your fellow human beings. Come on. No, but that's 
I think that's a great example on how they're trying to remove, especially non-white people's culture and heritage, because they don't really talk about the Scandinavians in that sense, or the British, or really the French. It's more this darker skin people that they tend to focus in on and robbing them from their heritage by claiming aliens and in this case saying the aliens had a peaceful message but these you know primitive non-white people they they would you know sacrifice each other because they can't understand better yeah and this is where i go like like uh, i was saying earlier like this is this is like colonialism 101 right this mm-hmm. actually ties into a much deeper history than ancient aliens i think which is that People have been doing this, white colonial settlers have been doing this to indigenous people and non-white people for many hundreds of years, showing up and going, you couldn't, your ancestors couldn't have made this thing. So it should have been somebody else, right? And so for a long time, that was the lost tribe of Israel. It was Celtic monks. It was Atlanteans. It was, right, Phoenicians. It could be, you know, pick your poison. Um, But it was... Uh, this is an interesting kind of modern transformation of that. None of these ideas are new. They're actually quite old, right? And they just said, well, what if instead of the Atlanteans or the lost tribe of Israel, it was aliens? Uh, hmm. and, and But it but it effectively does the same thing. And that was something I was curious, your thought on that, because you've watched a lot of the show They and, and you've sort of just answered this question for me. Do they ever talk about, is, is it ever, do they ever talk about sites that are that are white people sites. I mean, I don't know. Like uh, they, they don't seem to, right? So there's so race and racism is just inherent to this stuff. So yes. what I've noted, a it's a lot less, but they do. But there's a but to that. <laughs> they talk about it in a different sense. So for example, we have encountered Stonehenge previously, but it's not like the pyramids or the Mayan construction or Puma Punk or anything like that, because they don't question that the old ancient uh, British people could have built it. That's yeah, They could have dragged the stones and put them out there, no problem. The reason they built it is was to communicate with the aliens. There's, a, there's, so again, a, there's an agency there. It's a different level of agency, right? Like they, yeah. the... Well, the Stonehenge builders, they knew about the aliens. They were, they cottoned on and they were building the pyramid. They were building the uh, Stonehenge so that they could, they could reach out to aliens. It's very active, right? It's very agentive. I hope I'm, I don't want to, I don't want to over read into this, but it just, you know, the, the, I don't know, the, the, the hands are sticky with, with, <laughs> with, with, uh, with it. it. It's, it seems, it seems pretty obvious to me. No, so. Yeah, that's why I think they're robbing predominantly the non-white people's history in a different sense. Because they're the question actually that, well, they can't build this because they are primitive, they're ancient, while a white British person can drag stone without any issues. I'm not sure if they change that later on, but from 
as far as I've seen, uh, that's how they. Interesting uh, to see if, later, if later seasons that does <laughs> if that changes later in the season because at some point I think the show started to get criticized for that. Probably, I'm sure it already was being criticized for that at this point, and I don't know. It'll be interesting. I, I keep finding myself thinking about the meta, yeah, the sort of metatextual questions of the showmakers and how they might have reacted to the growing popularity of the show and the growing criticisms of the show. And I know that that's always been a criticism of these shows mm. that the racial stuff is like just below the surface. You don't have to. Yeah, think they about have. It. At yeah. least now in season two started to say native Americans instead of uh, Indians that they did in the first season. <laughs> so they're, yeah, they're at least thinking, well, we should at least use terminology that's acceptable to people or something. And I guess that's something, but and even that's, yeah, they, yeah. so it will be interesting to see how it evolves. Uh, but how about we go on the craziest part of the whole thing? <laughs> Wait, I want to read so, this. Is, wait, wait, the, the note that I wrote for this was I got to be honest, before, without even telling what this last section was about, this was my note. I got to be honest, this last section has lost me. This has jumped the shark in a show that is made of sharks. So, <laughs> <laughs> I was, what? so I'll let you introduce it. But that was my, I took almost no notes on this section because I just watched it with my mouth agape. Like, what? What are we even talking about yeah. here? Even for ancient aliens, <laughs> this was pretty far out there, to be honest. <laughs> so we have, they're opening up on the North Pole uh, and they talk about the darkness for six months a year. And as a Swede, I'm pretty familiar with the darkness. And what they don't mention is that it's sun 24-7, the other half <laughs> of the year. <laughs> People know but, that, right? It's not. It's <laughs> and then I... I dropped my job because it's not mainstream histo historians and mainstream archaeologists, it's mainstream geologists too. Oh, yeah, and we got that word mainstream doing so much work. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but they, yeah, we are talking a bit about that there's uh, extra sun inside the earth. And they start to talk about Haley and sure, um, Haley did in 1962. They say 19 or uh, 1692, they say 1691 in the show. Um, he wrote a thesis that, um, well, he believed that the Earth was hollow and uh, Aurora Borealis was due to particles that escaped from holes at the North Poles. And then they talk about Captain John Cleve Sims Jr., who also thought there were openings at the Poles in 1818. What they don't mention is that nobody has been to the North Pole at these times. Um, and if you look back at old academic discussions, even, um, you know, academics in, well, 1818 standards still, but uh, there was a sector that anything could happen on the North Pole or the South Pole because nobody was there and it was a mysterious place. Garden of Eden has been thought to be at the North Pole. A race of giants would be able to live up there. And the pole has been used as a backdrop for strange and mysteries and not really know how long. Even Mary Shelley in Frankenstein used the North Pole as a backdrop for, you know, the mystery and, you know, anything can live up there. And um, even though it's been many ill-fated attempts to escape it, uh, 
<laughs> explore it. Um, none really did until quite recently, to be honest. We even have, well, unfortunately, a Swede who tried to explore it by balloon. It did not go well. <laughs> uh, he tried to, uh, uh, Andre uh, tried to fly it with his balloon, the Eagle, a hydrogen balloon. Uh, he, well, to his credit, he tried to do it in the summer. But uh, it didn't help, unfortunately. <laughs> so the first explorer who did reach it was either Frederick Cook in 1908 or the more accepted Robert Peary in 1909. Uh, so none of them really mentioned anything about a giant gaping hole to the netherworld <laughs> when they were there, at least. <laughs> uh, but then they talk about Richard E. Bird who I didn't know anything about, but they talk that he went there February 19, 1947. This part they have are very specific on for some reason, uh, or well, we will come to the reason, but um, apparently he flew over the North Pole and um, he got stuck with a tractor beam and dragged down into the underworld and shown all these amazing things. And apparently the aliens didn't like that we used atomic bombs and things like that because they are very peaceful aliens. Sure, the Mayans thought that they went away. That's why they started to sacrifice people. But really, they stayed underground. I'm not sure what they're trying to get out here. There's some uh, maybe holes in their logic, but Bird was a real character and he was a flying ace and explorer and quite famous. And he did claim to have flown to the North Pole, but in 1997, we did find a journal previously unknown from his, from the flight. And many people has long apparently suspected that he didn't fly to the North Pole. He uh, flew close to it, but never all the way. And in his journal that we found, the corners in there seems to indicate that he actually didn't fly to the North Pole in record times that nobody sense was able to reproduce. But what they're basing the whole thing about is that in 1990, they found a, a previously unknown journal uh, of his where he talked about all these underground aliens. Unfortunately for ancient aliens, it's a giant hoax, basically. <laughs> um, but yeah. Um, yeah, this this one know, was, this one this one was wild as we sort of alluded to. Really, first of all, I didn't really <laughs> see how it fit into the theme of the episode other than underground. Therefore, yeah. it, that's it. That's that was the one unifying <laughs> theme of the episode. Uh, most easily proven false stuff, right? Like this is just basic <laughs> like science geology. We know what the inside of the Earth looks like a heck of a lot. You know, uh, yeah. you know the the sixteen ninety two theory. Um, 
is was a theory, right? The, 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 yeah. they, they even explained that he was trying to explain why the pole, why the magnetic poles move, right? Yeah. He didn't understand why that would be. If the center of the earth was, was solid, then they shouldn't move. And so he, he, inter- he theorized that maybe that, you know, there were like moving spheres inside the sphere. Okay. I mean, that doesn't turn out to be right, but it, you know, that's, I get the, the logic, I guess, of mm-hmm. trying to, trying to answer a, a, a a mysterious at the time scientific question um that was all it was that was all sort of interesting i guess this the my one comment i had really about this section was uh this section was pretty close to something i know a little bit about just because i think it's interesting nothing to do with my research or anything which is this all all these theories were like one millimeter from flat eartherism like yeah. a lot of the same ideas about flat eartherism about the uh, the nature of the earth and the creation of the earth, flat earth is often actually linked to creationism and the firmament and the relationship mm. of the planet to, to the sun. Uh, and, uh, and you know, the, so it was very interesting to hear these theories and almost no aliens in this at all, right? This whole section, the only place the aliens came in were way at the end with birds claim, right? That he had mm. flown into the, center of the earth and there were aliens down there or yeah. that or that the original theory the 1692 theory suggested that maybe life could have lived on these internal which is where the whole dinosaurs in um uh, uh in um jules verne's story comes from right i think yeah. uh that, that there that there maybe there were like you know ancient species extinct, extinct species that might still live on these internal elements but you know that stuff's all fiction, man. <laughs> it's like it's, a, it's we don't have to try and find a reason that it's it's real. So that was that was just interesting to me. I re- I recognized in this stuff, and this was in, throughout the whole episode. We've talked about this a lot. How there's there's close connections between these theories. The guys who make this show, including Giorgio and whoever, they hmm. want the aliens to be the like linchpin of all the conspiracy theories right all of the uh and so you can see evidence of these other smaller conspiracy theories in the episode being talked about and really all the episode is trying to do is say okay but how does aliens explain that right and so this 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 like sort of um you know sun inside the earth thing reminded me a lot of of um conspiracy theories about flat earth and it was like okay how do we make that an alien thing right <laughs> uh we can kind of we can kind of sneak it in here with this reference to life under you know inside the earth or whatever maybe that's alien yeah um so that seems to be uh such a theme of the show is is wanting to be the center around all the conspiracy theories in the world rotate is uh is it's it's all it's all aliens and that's it's it's positioned they've positioned themselves that way very successfully i think i think a lot of people have accepted that um and it's it's probably a lot of the reason for the success of the show the cultural uh, icon status of this show in some ways yeah i think i can agree with that too um <laughs> but i think there's where they are leaving us Wanting more. <laughs> Always. Yeah, at least on a cliffhanger. <laughs> Although this episode was, man, all over the place. I don't know what the cliffhanger is because this whole last section felt very um, tacked on. I don't know. They, but they I maybe- think they, 
writers come up with the different themes and then they try to fill the episode however they might be able to do it. Sometimes yeah. they just throw things into, well, we have five minutes and we need something extra <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> and they just yeah. put in... Uh, yeah, this, the theme was just the word underground, right? And yeah. so it was all these things had things do. But the, the other ones all had kind of cultural, archaeological elements. And this one very much is a more... Maybe that's why it felt very out of place. This was more like a geology pseudo geology story instead of a pseudo archaeology <laughs> story. Uh, maybe that's, maybe that's why I felt out of place. All right. But if, um, how would you rate the episode? Knowledge wise. <laughs> oh, I mean, it's, it's pretty bad. I mean, it's real bad. I, I, I mean, there are a couple of times throughout the episode where they are almost honest about things. Right. Mm -hmm. And they're, they're like, they, they, they present information, you know, the sites they talk about are real places. They're real archeological sites. And some of the things they describe about those sites are true. Um, but they, but in some ways that's, it, it, that's like, I don't know what I'm say if it's worse, but it's maybe just as bad as just making something up from whole cloth because you're, you're actually, um, you're actually using real information to mislead, right. To, mm -hmm. to say something. I don't know if I planned when I went to come on the show and be this quite, quite so, uh, quite so, uh, uh, I mean, people are going to yell on me on Twitter. That's okay. Uh, that's, it's, it won't be the first time. Uh, the, you know, um, you know, that's, that's actually in some ways as bad or worse. It's, 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 it's really misusing real information. And as we've said many times, the real, the real tragedy of it, the real, um, wrong here is the way that it, it robs people of their own histories, their own mm -hmm. heritage, their own uh, cultural value, and just just like replaces it with this, yeah. this with this alien stuff, uh, and uh, and that's uh, and they and they and they they seem to intentionally uh, target people who they know are, are not going to fight back because they're not they're going they're not going to be watching this this dumb show, right? Like they like yeah. it's just it's it's very. Uh, seems very in intentional in that way. Right. Um, you know, I don't know. I wonder if they, yeah. So, so in terms of rating, like I said, it's the first episode I've ever watched. So it's both the best <laughs> and worst episode of ancient aliens. I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I plan to, to keep it that way. I'll listen to the show. I'm going to get your descriptions of the episodes. That's how I'll learn about ancient aliens. <laughs> You're going to do the pain for me. Uh, <laughs> you and your future guests. Uh, but it was really interesting to watch. I won't say it was pleasant to watch. It actually was quite painful to watch. But it was um, it was interesting to watch. And like I said, I took like a bunch of notes because um, there's a lot in there. There's the whole – in some ways, this show is like a little Rosetta Stone. Mm. Use an archaeology uh, example. <laughs> like a Rosetta Stone for like the broader world of conspiracy theories. Uh, not necessarily just this episode. I think the whole show. Um, it's, it's, it's all in there. The, 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 the classic claims, the, the, the techniques, the ways that they mislead, the way that they misuse data, the way that they, uh, the way that they manipulate their guests to say things that they're not really trying to say. Um, so much of that stuff is, is right there in this episode. And, and I think probably in most of the episodes. So, yeah, if you're following the, you know, the conspiracy or misinformation uh, people somewhat you 
you will see these strategies and how they do it in the anti-vax movement, in the Q movement, in the, you know, the, and ancient aliens, they have become the, you know, four bearers, uh, the, you know, who you would go to to learn how to use these technologies. So I think it's a great show to <laughs> base on. It is. It's a really great show to analyze from that angle. It's important to understand. And like we've, we've, we've kind of suggested there are, there are researchers out there who are studying this stuff because it's important because Mm. these, even, even the conspiracy theory stuff in these shows that seem harmless on their face, you scratch below the surface and you very quickly find they're connected to some very scary stuff a lot of times, or they're being used as um, a cover for very scary stuff. Uh, you know, the, 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 they're, they're being used for cover for some of the worst actors out there, um, who are not your friend. (laughs) They're not trying to do nice things, uh, (laughs) in the world. So it's, it's, it's important to, analyze. I think, I think we're having fun and hopefully people will watch this and get some laughs because we, I think I told some good jokes, uh, but, uh, but, but, you know, that this is also (laughs) definitely connected to some very serious, heavy, heavy stuff, um, and understanding it's important. So. And you mentioned before, I think you said okay. something really smart before. You talked about this stuff being like the religious the last thing I'll say. The like the religious text. <laughs> I think in some ways that's true. Like ancient aliens is is a religious text of the of the the, the pseudo archaeology community um, yeah. in many ways. So it's important for that reason. Yeah, I think so too. And yeah, with Van Daniken, he is maybe the the um, pseudo archaeologist pope in a sense yeah, yeah he's the, he's the, he's the whatever the gospel writer the the yeah his, his the books Luke, are the paul the <laughs> his books are are foundational in, in many ways dare i say it's seminal that's a good word yeah. <laughs> all right bill if people want to hear and see more of you where should they go well you can find me on twitter at archaeology game uh, or you can find me on uh, my YouTube channel is youtube.com slash C slash video game archaeology, all one word. Um, mm-hmm. Or if you, you know, you Google my name, you can find my, my more professional credentials uh, <laughs> out there. Uh, and, uh, you know, look me up on ResearchGate or academia.edu or whatever, if you want to read some of my papers that have nothing to do with any of this. Uh, <laughs> totally, totally separate stuff. Um, but, uh, but, but, but I do find this stuff really fascinating. It was really interesting to get a chance to, to talk about it. So that's how you can find me. Yeah, and thank you for your time and links to your shows and uh, Twitter will be in the description to this episode if you want to hear some more from Bill. But again, a big thanks to you, Bill. Thank you for your time. Yeah, thank you so, so much for having me. This was this was actually it was really fun and such an interesting conversation. So thank you for having me. Again, thank you to Bill Farley. And if you want to check out his stuff, It will be linked in the show notes and of course you can find it on the website too. And I have to bring up something before you send me one of those nasty emails. I say that a Playboy interview with uh, Van Däniken was in the 80s. Um, No, it was a brain freeze on my end. It was 1973 and it was done with a skeptic called Timothy Ferris. Enough of that. (laughs) Remember to leave a positive review anywhere you can, such as iTunes, Spotify, or maybe recommend the show to your friend in the trench. I would also recommend you to visit diggingupancientaliens.com 
where you find some more info about me and the podcast. And of course, there you can find all my social media accounts. And if you have comments, suggestions, or you want to write an all caps email, my contact info is on the website. Until next time, keep shoveling that science. Thank you for tuning in and listening to this episode. Remember that we have a subscription going on. You can become a patron or other subscriber for as little as $2.50 per episode. Go to diggingupancientaliens.com support. That is, go to diggingupancientaliens.com support to read more information and sign up right there. <laughs>